All right. That, this is, that was so perfect, and you'll understand why in a minute. <laughs> okay, it's good. To, I'm so glad everybody that's come out today, and uh, uh, it's a blessing to be up here. It's been been a long time since I st- stood behind the pulpit, and uh, I'm excited about it, and I just want to thank God for it, and uh, I just praise Him. You know that uh, what I want to start off with is how many of you dads, moms have ever been to a circus, been to a uh, a parade or anything like that, and you've taken your child and put them up on your shoulder so they can see better? I think that's probably happened a lot. I know I've seen it a whole lot, and uh, uh, that's, a, that's a good thing. You know why? Because they can see better from up there. They can see what's going on. And so that leads me right into my scripture today of Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. It's about Zacchaeus. I know Zacchaeus is supposed to be a children's little story, but today the you know the Lord has showed me something a whole lot more than that in, in Zacchaeus today. So Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he come down at once and welcomed him gladly. Then all the people saw this and began to mutter, He is going to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, 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 Here and now I give half my possessions to the poor and have cheated anybody out of anything. I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, salvation is coming to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Let's pray. Lord, I just love you, God, and I praise you, God, for this day, Lord. God, and I do believe, Father, Lord, that you've gave me this word today, Lord God. I don't want anything, Lord, to come out of my mouth that you didn't give me, Father, Lord. God, and I want you to help me, Lord, speak the word that you gave me, Father, Lord God, with uh, clarity, Father, Lord Jesus, God, and I just want to be used for your glory today in the name of Jesus. Okay, so Zacchaeus is out there. They've heard that Jesus was coming to town. And for some reason, we don't know why exactly for sure, he was really excited about Jesus coming. So he went and endured the crowd, and I got a feeling he was kind of in behind the crowd a little bit. So he said, well, from this position, I'm not going to be able to see Jesus, and I really want to see him. Uh, he was just so excited about seeing Jesus. You know that we all should be excited about Jesus in our lives. And so he said, what he done was he ran, he actually ran and climbed the tree. Now, he what he done was put forth a great effort by running and climbing that tree. And I was just wondering, when we need something for Jesus and out of in our lives, things ain't going just right, what kind of effort are we willing to give? Where do we stand on that? Do we just um, lay on the couch and with the remote in our hand and uh, like, well, I wish Jesus would do something for me. I'd kind of like to change the situation I'm in, but, you know, that's just not going to work. 
If you actually have a desire to see Jesus, you're going to do something in your life to change what you're, the way you're doing things, and you're going to step up to the plate and figure out what you have to do to put yourself in position to see Jesus and do what he needs to do for you because there's so many things in that. And um, so when he got up in the tree, he was looking, and here comes Jesus. And then what happened was Jesus come and spoke directly to him and told him to get down out of the tree. You see, if we're, if we're in a position in our lives and we are desiring Jesus and everything that he has for us, we will, we will bid our position will be good and he will speak directly to us. Because a lot of people lay, lay around and don't do what they need to do and they just hope that Jesus will maybe tell them something or show them something, but it doesn't work that way. We need to be excited like Zacchaeus, and we need to put ourselves in a position for him to come speak to us directly. If we're living for the world, he, we're not in the right position for Jesus to come speak to us. If we're uh, doing worldly things, if we're wrapped up in what things are going on in politics and the governor, if we're, if we're too religious in our lives, and if we're uh, just worried about we want more things in our, in our lives, and we're wondering why Jesus is not coming to us and helping us and speaking to us, and you're just really complex over this. It's really plain and simple. You're not in position. We need to get in position, my friends and loved ones, because Jesus has got so much force that we're just, just wasting away, and we're not being used because we're not doing what we need to do. We have to step up to the plate, guys. Time is running short in the, in our lives, and we know that Jesus is coming through, and we're, we all wish when we first become sinners that we would, um, that we would do great things for Christ. We would win souls, and we would, would be called, and God would give us gifts, and He would, uh, uh, just, just use us mightily and everything. But sometimes something happens over the years where we kind of lose our luster a little bit. Uh, we're not, uh, enjoying, uh, going to church quite as much, and we're not getting in Involved in church like we used to, and then we um, it just we kind of back down, we kind of slide back a little bit, and we just seem to exist in church. We exist during our lives, and we'll just go through the motions of everything. But but sometimes we will get something to happen if somebody will speak a word. Um, somebody might have a testimony, and we're like, "Wow, that was good," and and that's what I used to be like. What happened to me? And God will tell you, you are out of position. He would tell me, you're out of position, Kevin. That's, that's why you haven't heard from me. You haven't focused on me at all. You haven't opened up my word at all. And you haven't prayed for me. I mean, prayed, um, have me pray for you or pray to me. And, uh, you've, um, you've not lived a holy life. Do you realize all the things that you've been doing in the last few years has been unholy? Nothing lines up with scripture that, that, um, that I've written down to share for you to share and to understand and to learn from. And then we pause and we're like, wow, this is the truth. I haven't been living a holy place, holy life. I'm out of position. I'm out of position. Things get cloudy when we're out of position. I started off this, this service. I had this, I was over here and I should have been over there. I was out of position. It's simple. 
position is is such a, a broad word. It can be used in so many contexts, and and we can do so much with it. But but today, what the Lord gave me was just to to drive the to drive the nail all the way in on positioning in our lives. We got to be in correct position, guys. No matter what you want. And so um, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here I now give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Basically, what he was doing, he repented. Because Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. When Jesus asked to come to his house, it set up his salvation experience. And this not would have happened if if Zacchaeus did not have a great desire to see Jesus when he come through town. He put himself in position. He didn't realize what was going to happen when he got there. He didn't know when he ran and climbed up the tree to see over the crowd that it was going to lead to salvation. And he didn't know that he was going to be giving away and giving back to the people he had taken from all of his life. But he was in position. And think of the lives that he changed when he started and when he gave his life to Jesus and he started giving back to the people. A lot of these people was probably didn't have enough money to purchase everything they needed to purchase in their life because he had taken so much of their taxes. He had taxes had taken all of their money. And now then these people were being blessed by him paying them back. And then I'm sure he didn't overcharge on taxes after that. He probably charged what he was supposed to charge. And all of this because he got into position. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, a little side note here. I'm not going to charge you anything for this. But but when he climbed up on the sycamore tree, now I studied up on the sycamore tree. It seemed to be an easy tree to climb, and it would grow fruit, figs. Now, when the figs uh, first set on in the sycamore tree, they're hard fruit, nasty, bitter, not good for anything. But later in the season, they soften and they get ripe and they are so good. They're really good to eat, really good to taste. You see, Zacchaeus's heart, when he climbed up in the tree, was hard, bitter because he was a hard man. But after he got down and Jesus spoke to him, he went to his house and he gave everything back to the people. His heart was softened just like that fig and it was good for use. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Father, Lord. Lord, we all need a, sometimes we need a sycamore tree experience. Okay, I'm going to go now to John 5, 2 through 8. I don't want to talk just a little bit about positioning yourself for healing in your life. Now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool, which in 
Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered uh, colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One who was there had been invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition a long time, and he asked him, do you want to get well? So the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured and he picked up and walked. Now then, people want to get healed. We want people to get healed. We prayed for people to get healed. Now a lot of these people are really desiring it. But they're like the man, he's in a bad position there. He was placed too far from the water. But see, a lot of times we've got ourselves separated too far from Christ and the one who heals us. Because he is the one to heal the thing. If we're separated too far from him, we're probably not calling out to him like we should be. We're just hoping that someday that we'll get healed. But luckily in that day, Jesus still walked on the earth. He was still there for them. So Jesus actually with his own eyes and went up and told him, do you want to get healed? And the man said, yes. And he said, pick up your bed and walk. And automatically was healed. Now now we have the Holy Spirit. That's when we pray to Jesus. And if we just pray in a manner that's just heal me, God know, I know that God can just automatically heal you. Like that, but if you're, like I said earlier, if you're living for the world and you're not in church and you're not doing what you want to do, you think you're out of position for healing. Because the Lord says if you want a healing, call on the elders of the church. Let them lay hands on you and pray for you for the healing of your body. But if you're not in church, it's kind of hard for the elders to um, to pray for you unless uh, um, people will go to your house if you're... Uh, physically you're not able to make it to church and pray for you and it's possible healing uh healings come in the worship service worshiping together i've seen lots of healings over the years just from the worship service people getting healed in that and so uh we we need to be in position for the healing we need to we need to know how to pray. We need to learn how to pray. We need to find, look up the healing scriptures in the word that God has us. There's lots of scriptures on healing. And so we need to study them. We need to get, we need to get in a relationship with Christ that we're know how to ask and we know how to pray because sometimes we're praying amiss because we don't really know how to pray or we're not, we're not where we need to be. So um, that's one way for healing. I just want to uh, put yourself in a position for healing. Now, I want to just um, talk about a little bit about putting yourself in position to be restored. This is Samson. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left on the other. Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might and come down, and down came the temple of the rulers and all his people. 
Thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. Now see, uh, Samson had given up his strength by falling into the, the lap of a woman that meant him harm. His hair got cut and he lost his strength. But the people didn't realize it had him bound to the, um, the, to the oxen or whatever it was where he was pushing around the mill that his hair began to grow back. And he began to realize it and to come to a point where they was going to come bring him out for show. They was going to show him off. They was going to show off Samson. You know what happened then? He prayed to God to give him back his strength one more time. And he was restored. He put himself in position to be restored. I'm sure the whole time that he was uh, pushing that around and around and around and around, that he was sorry. He was repenting for the mistake he had made in his life because he couldn't realize what he had done was wrong. Because he knew what he had was special. He knew it was by the Lord and the Lord only. So I feel in my heart that there was repentance going on there by Samson this whole time. What I want to say is that we've left church. We've, we've what they call backslid and we're not living for God anymore. Don't think that you have to stay there. Put yourself in a position and God will restore you. Go back to your first love. Remember your salvation experience. Remember what it was like to fellowship with one another and how fun that was and how uplifting it was. Remember how you used to love to praise the Lord and, and worship and singing and uh, um, just reflect on that and meditate on the things that you are missing because you're not in position. And just ask God to restore you and he will restore you because our God is a God of restoration. Praise you, Jesus. I got a few scriptures here I want to read you on putting yourself in position to hear. This is 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we will have what we ask of him. The key word here is confidence, putting, a posi- putting ourselves in a position to have confidence in our prayers and to be confident in what we're asking, know that God will hear us. And uh, one of my favorite scriptures is Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. When we call upon the Lord, he will answer us. And he will tell us things. It may not be exactly what we want to hear, but he will tell us things. He might be telling us something that's going to happen in our lives that that we didn't know that was going to happen, that will greatly uplift us and will help other people. Call upon me and I will answer you. That is personal. Call on me and I will answer you. That's what Jesus is saying today. Call on me and I will answer you. Luke eleven twenty eight. He replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. 
You hear the word, and what do we do? Obey it. Sometimes we hear the word, but we don't obey it. We just listen to it and like, you know, that's, that would be a good way to live, but uh, that's not really what I want to do in my life right now. Um, I'll give it some time and a few years down the road when I think the Lord's going to come back. I'll get back into this and uh, commit myself to this and listen to the word of God and I will obey it. So we need to be in a position to obey the word of God by doing what we need to do. We need to be living for him. We need to be holy, like I said before. We need to to just pray and worship and study our Bible and, and um, everything that we can do to hear from him. The Lord said, First Kings nineteen eleven through 12, The Lord said, Go out and stand on a mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. A lot of times that we think to hear from the Lord, for the Lord to speak to us, it's got to be something gigantic and uh, just just blows us away. The the thundering voice of God rattling the the light fixtures in the ceiling and and all of that, like an earthquake. But the Lord doesn't always speak to us in that. Sometimes we just have to be quiet. We're too noisy. We want God to hear from us, to speak to us, and we're. Like, um, well, I'm in a movie right now and watching, listening to this movie and watching it. And, um, you know, all, when you're meditating, you're meditating on things of the world, not on me. And you've got the TV on, watching something you don't need to be watching. And um, we're just not living like we want to be. And, and, because you're like, well, I will hear this when God talks to me because it's going to be like a volcano erupting or, or whatever. But sometimes we just need to sit down and meditate on the Lord, turn everything off, let it be quiet. And then we can hear that small voice. And it will be better than what you imagined. Because you were meditating on him and he's speaking to you and you were just it will blow your mind that way. And uh, so we need to learn to put ourselves in position by taking the, all the noise out of our life and listening to God and praying what we need to do. And uh, Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. That was a companion scripture to First Kings. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted on the earth. Be still. Be still. Matthew 5, 3 through 11 is what we know was the Beatitudes. This is a way to get yourselves in position to be blessed in life. This is just a few things. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. 
Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of my righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. While some of those be kind of rough for us to live by, to be blessed, we may not want them. But those examples, I just, I just love the Beatitudes. I just really didn't have to read them. But sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm like, should I read these scriptures? And the Lord will speak to me. You read them, and somebody will get something out of those scriptures, even though they've heard them 50 times before and they know them by heart. The Lord will speak something new to you in them that you won't hear that could change your life. So the best way to be blessed by God is to live for him daily, not just on Sunday. Pray to him daily, not just on Sunday morning. Read your Bible daily and study it. Don't just hear from the word of God behind the pulpit on Sunday. Put yourself in position to be blessed by God, to hear by God, to hear God talking, put yourself in a position for restoration in your life. Put your God in a position for anything that you need in your life. And the key to that is just, I know I could have preached this whole message, just got up here and said, all right, today's message is put yourself in position for anything you need for God and sit down. That probably might have worked for some people, but that's not what the Lord gave me. He gave me these scriptures and these words, and he wanted me to speak to you and maybe jog a memory or get a real realization in your heart and in your mind that you're really not in position. You're really not in position. So I'm going to close with that. I know that was a short message, but I don't try to speak anything on my own because it's not going to be good. Um, and I just want to ask if anybody, stand up with me, please. If anyone is out of position today, or you want to put yourself in better position, you can come up and we'll pray for you, or you can come up and just uh, uh, worship in the front while they're playing or anything. I just want you to be um, where you need to be in Christ. Because the day is, like I said, a short time, and the Lord is coming soon. And um, we just want to uh, put ourselves in the best position because we got loved ones that are sick. We got loved ones that are unsaved. We got, we got people that are in our lives that are friends and close ones that we want to be saved. And we got people that are sick in our, in our families and friends that we know, but, but we're really not in the right position to help them. And that's, that's my, what I'm crying out for you today is to just do what you need to do to get yourself in position to be used by the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Awesome word. I was uh, looking up a scripture. I'll read it for you here. A lot of times when you're preaching, 
you um, there's a temptation, especially when you're a young uh, preacher or young pastor, and you're always trying to um, minister something people haven't heard before. I mean, you see, that could be a temptation. Like, man, I want a new revelation that nobody's heard before. And some people actually seek that. You know, they seek a new revelation. Like, I want to hear the pastor tell me something I haven't heard before. How many think that's a common thing, okay? Peter is at the end of his life, okay? Peter is writing First and Second Peter. This is Second Peter, so this is the very end of his life. He knows he's going to be a martyr probably, and he's at the very end. And so toward the end here, Peter says this. This is Second Peter 1.12. And it hit me one time when I was preaching. It says, so I will remind you of these things even though you already know them and are firmly established in the truth that you now have. Peter's at the end of his life and he knows he's going to be martyred probably and he's ministering his most important words to the church and it's not a new revelation. He's saying, I'm ministering the things you already know. How many think it's important when you come into church to constantly re-emphasize the things you already know. Because we think, well, man, you know, I passed that part of my education, now I'm moving forward. But the Christian life really is just living out those principles of life. And what Kevin is talking about today are those principles. And you would be surprised. Let me just break it down for you. Positioning is just being there. And you'd be surprised how many people are present. (laughs) You look around and you're looking for faithfulness and you say, man, I don't know how many people are present, how many people are positioned, how many people are there, not for the show, but there to show up for him. And we need that in a church. And you know what people do when they don't have that? They go find somewhere where there's a crowd of people in a big church. You know why? It's something I've noticed over the years. Because I don't have to be faithful. Nobody notices when I'm not in position. Because there's a lot of people that aren't having any responsibilities in a big church. And so if I can just blend in there, I don't have to be in position. But you know what I like to do? I like to be in position... And I I like to come before the Lord and I like to say, I'm at your service, Lord. And show up every week, every day, every morning, every evening. And just say, I'm here, use me. A lot of people aren't being used for the Lord just because of that. And I'm not here to make anybody feel bad. I'm just here to say that the church, um, when I wake up in the morning, when I walk in in a period like this, I mean, a lot of people are depressed right now. A lot of people are down right now. A lot of people are saying the church is losing right now. And you know what? I don't see that. I see is, I, I feel like that. How many have ever watched a, uh, and I'm really going off course here, but he even gave me too much time. You gave me time, so I'm, I'm going to use it, you know. <laughs> that was an awesome word. I love that word. But I feel like that bull that's in a rodeo and he's got that corral around him and they're about to pull the gate. And when that gate comes open, here we come. (laughs) 
And church, you need to feel that way. Because there is nothing that the enemy has done. God has given me big visions for this church. And you say, well, Chad, you're failing. And see, I don't see it that way. We're right on the verge. There's nothing that God has told me about this church that's changed my mind. We're right on the verge of taking off as a church. The enemy is worried when that corral gate comes open and here we come. This church is going to be full of fellowship. This church is going to reach the lost. This church is going to be full to overflowing. You understand that? This church is going to have food out there again. This church is going to... It's just a matter of time. That gate's going to open and we're going to take off. Everything that God is doing right now, He's doing it during the pandemic. God has built our church to take off. And as soon as that corral gate's open, here's the thing that I know the Lord has told me. I'm more patient than the world is. The world wants to go back to the bars. The world wants to go back to the restaurant. The world wants to go back to normal shopping. And you know what? I can be more patient than the world. They're ready to open back up. All right? And when they open up, here I come. I'll wait them out. All right? How many know that God's doing things right now? We sing that song, God is on the move, God is on the move. God is moving right now. And I'm going to tell you something. There are things this church, and listen to me well, I'm not just making this up. This is a fact you can actually ask any leader in this church. There are things in this church we could not, we would not have done without the pandemic. God built an infrastructure in this church to take off. And we're going to take off. And the only people that don't think that are the ones that have been beaten down by the enemy. Church is about to rise up and take off, church. You say, well, I don't know. There's a new administration. We needed a we needed a uh, preferable administration in order for the church to move. No, the church moves better when there's a wicked administration. You saying are are you saying that this administration is wicked? Yes, I am because I'm not politically restrained. When you uh, when you immediately in your first day in office uh, impose the death of uh, young babies, you're a wicked administration, and I'm going to call it out. You say, well, can't they come and get you? No, come get me. You'll make it worse. You come and get me and try to shut my mouth. It's going to make. We're going to have revival, brother. There's going to be revival. We don't have any muzzles. There's nothing stopping us from talking. There's nothing stopping us from preaching. There's nothing stopping us from moving forward. Church is alive and the church is about to see its greatest days. And you say, well, I don't know, man. It was so good when I was young. Well, let's go get in position. Let's see what God wants to do today because I think it's going to be better. I think the church is going to move stronger. You say, I don't know, Chad. The churches are just limping in. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not discouraged because people are afraid of a uh, pandemic. I'm not afraid of a pandemic. I'm not afraid of a flu. I'm not afraid of the government. I'm not afraid of what I say. Is that true? Then why are we so timid? Why are we sitting back so much? Why are we not standing at attention and saying, God, here I am at your service. What do you want me to do? I'm going to be here every day. I'm going to be here every hour. I'm going to be here every week. And you know what? The pandemic's an awesome thing because you get to see who's loyal. Who's 
loyal. I love it when nobody comes to church. And here I am at your attention, Lord. Right? Isn't that right? We want to see who's loyal. We want to be like Gideon who's about to go to battle. And the Lord says, you have too many men. And Gideon's like, I have too many men. Do you know the army I'm getting ready to face? And the Lord says, no, here's what I want you to do. I want you to find the desperate ones. I want you to find the ones that will get on their hands and knees and lap at the water. Paul knows what I'm talking about. That's why he's over there grinning. He knows what I'm talking about. Right, brother? Amen. <laughs> I caught him off guard. But the Lord <laughs> the Lord took Gideon and he said, just take the ones that will get on their hands and knees like a dog and lap at the water and then go to battle with them. He winnowed out the whole entire army and he only had 300 left to go against 10,000. And that's what the Lord's looking for. Sometimes the Lord will will narrow down your army a little bit and you say, well, man, isn't it discouraging when somebody goes here, somebody goes there? It doesn't bother me. I can win with two. I can win with a hundred. But I'm going to win. Why? Because I'm good? No, I'm not good because he's on my side. God is on your side who can be against you. And church, the enemy still shakes when he thinks about this church's future. The enemy still puts up roadblocks. Why? Because he's scared. The enemy doesn't like a preacher in a church that's not politically correct. And we're not politically correct. We're going we're gonna to be respectful to the world and, and, and the things that we have to be respectful about. But when God tells us to move, we move. And I'm just waiting for the call. I'm waiting for God to say, move here, move there, move here, move there. And and God has been moving in this church, and we're ready to come out of a corral here and go. Okay? And you say, well, man, how many do we need? We don't need that many. We don't need many to win, okay? So be encouraged. This pessimism of the world, I don't like it. It's It's not, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. God didn't give us a spirit of pessimism. God gave us a spirit of, here I am, Lord, let's go. Let's roll. Let's move. Let's win the lost. Let's go do these things. Hallelujah. How many are like that? Let's not be down in this time. Let the world be down. They need to see something different in us. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm moving forward. Everything that I ever say, they come to me and say, hey, let's do this with the church. I'm saying, let's do it. Move forward. Let's go. Let's move. Let's do it. Let's begin to go that direction. Yeah. We're not holding anything back here, church. We're not holding anything back here. Hallelujah. Amen. We just need some people to stand in position and say, let's roll. Let's be right where God wants us to be. And let's move. Hallelujah. Let's pray and let's worship. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, right now, Lord God, anoint this body. Lord, you've called us to do mighty things, Lord God, not to sit on the sideline, but to move forward, Lord, against the enemy, Lord God, where we have assured, we have been assured a victory, Lord God. No matter what, we're going to win, Lord. There's no enemy that can stand in front of us, no um, no obstacle that we can't overcome, Lord God. There's, Lord, we just need to walk in that victory, Lord God. Anoint this church, Lord God. Let us move forward in you, Lord. In your name we pray. Let's not hold back in our lives, Lord, in fear. Let's move forward. Hallelujah. In your name we pray. Amen.
but I just want you to think about your heart this morning. We were studying this week in the uh, training groups that we have. Remember, I need people. This is the period of time. Let me tell you where we're at, Wellspring. This is the period of time where I'm training people for the work of the ministry. And I need people to come in and say, I'm here. What do I do? We're training. We're getting ready for engagements. Okay, we're getting ready to walk into Satan's little drug neighborhoods. Okay, we're going to walk in and we need ministers. And here's the problem. If I don't have people that can show up and be in position can't be in position now if you can't walk now the bible says how are you going to run with the footman later how are you going to run with the artillery later how are you going to go in and make battle with the enemy when you can't make it through a little pandemic and god's looking for people that will stand up in faith not in your own strength he's looking for you to stand up in faith because if you can't handle a little pandemic and you just say oh it's so hard just so hard right now. How are we going to ever do battle for the Lord if we're crouching down in fear over a pandemic and maybe a financial situation? Trust God with your financial situations. Trust God with a pandemic. Show up, be at attention, say, man, I can watch it online. Can I tell you something, church? Online is your backup. All right, it's a decent little backup. I'm not even really that crazy about YouTube as a company. I'll be honest with you, YouTube, I'm sorry. I'm not that crazy about Facebook. So no, I don't care if that's the wave of the future. I'm not as crazy about it, but I'll put it on there as a backup. But you know what your first priority is? Get in the house of the Lord and be ready to do battle. Quit trying to be entertained. Quit trying to go somewhere where you can blend in. Quit trying to go somewhere where I don't have to show up. Okay, if you're offered training, let's train, okay? Let me take you through the Word. Let me teach you how to preach it, how to teach it, because we need more people. This church is going to be flooded with people. We're about to engage the enemy. When the enemy starts to do battle, you say, oh, no, I don't know if I can handle the enemy. If you can't handle the enemy, here's what's going to happen. We've been learning in our training sessions, we've been learning about the generation that couldn't walk in faith. You say, well, Chad, I can't do it and I won't do it and you won't be able to do your little thing here. But here's what happens. The generation died who wouldn't do it. The warriors that were ready to go in stayed alive. They entered the promised land. Their names were Joshua and Caleb. And the generation died and God gave him a whole new set. In fact, God, God warned all the way through there. If you won't do it, if you will not do it, Moses, I'll raise up a generation that will. I'll give you a whole new nation stronger than that group. That group never would fight. That group never would show up. That group never would get in position. And I'm telling you now, church, if you won't fight, God will give me a whole other group that will. Because Caleb was an old man and he was still ready to fight. Joshua was an old man. He was still ready to fight. They went in. They took their land. They knew they could take it all along. And they came back. There were 12 spies. Key period of time. Listen to this, church. Listen very carefully. 12 spies came back. 10 said there's no possible way we can win. They're giants. They're big. They're huge. They're mighty. We can't fight them. We're going to lose. The church is going to go away. The church is 
limping in. The church is destroyed. We're in a weak place. The church is not good. You've heard all these lines, okay? I get it frustrates. It makes me mad. It makes me angry because the church is never going to be defeated. The other two came back and said, listen to what we're saying. We can win this battle. In fact, they said, these giants that are ready to fight us, they're, they were huge, church. They said, they came back and said, their protection is gone. The giant's protection is gone. Well, I thought their protection was, they're a lot bigger than us. But they said, no, God has assured us victory. Their protection is now gone. And they said, let's go in. And you know what the people said? Let's stone them for that report. And they're going to want to stone you for that report. But I can tell you right now, those little drug neighborhoods, it's not the people that are the drug problem. They're under, they're, they're bewitched. They're under a spell of Satan. And you say, well, man, it's too big. Drugs are too big. That lifestyle is too big. Can I tell you? We've already been assured victory. Their victory is gone. They fear us. We don't fear them. you got a different God if you fear them. And it's not the people. It's demonic power strongholds. They're drug powers. They're sexual powers. They're all these different things that are bound, binding people up. And God's made us to go in and do battle. So when you get an opportunity to train, show up. I had one night this week. I had zero people show up. Thursday night, I'm going to call you out. Zero people showed up. Somebody probably had a hangnail. You say, well, you're being awful hard, but I need a certain type of person. All right? I'm not going to take the blame for people not showing up. All right? I show up four days a week. You say, well, you probably don't have anything going on in your life. I had two cars break down. I live on 30 acres. I had no wood that would burn in my wood burner. I started a new job that is really hard. But I showed up all four days. What do you want me to do, Lord? It's time to quit baby in the church. Grow up. Okay, grow up. Learn how to show up. Learn how to be there. Learn how to be in position or the Lord will give me a whole new group. I'm I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying there's only so much you can blame the pastor for. You got to start showing up and you got to start positioning yourself. The excuses have to go. You know, in the military, they don't allow the excuses. It's yes, sir, no, sir, sorry, sir, but there's no excuses for the behavior. Church, we got to show up. We're going to build a cafe in there. We're going to pull in all kinds of people that need the Lord. We're going to pull in people from this neighborhood, and you say, well, I'm going to fight it, and it's never going to happen. It'll happen whether you like it or whether you don't like it. We're going to do it. Because the Lord said we're going to do it. The Lord said He's going to give us victory. We're going to minister to people in this church, and we're going to reach more people than we've ever reached. You say, well, Chad, you don't know. You need to look in the mirror. You're a failure. I'm not a failure. God's a failure if it doesn't happen. I'm absolved of all failure. Isn't that nice? I'm absolved of all failure because God's given me victory. And we're going to win, church. We're going to win. Let's close in a word of prayer. 
Heavenly Father, right now, Lord God, raise up an army in this church, Lord God. People that are ready to do battle, Lord God, not people that are pessimistic, Lord God. People that are ready to do and people that aren't ready to talk. Lord, let us engage the enemy, Lord God. Let us die on the field of battle, Lord God. That's where I want to die, Lord God. I don't want to die on my couch with a remote in my hand. I want to die on the field of battle, Lord God, fighting for your cause, Lord. Fighting for souls, Lord God, to the last breath that I have on this earth, Lord God. I want to be fighting for you, Lord. Lord, put that spirit in your people, Lord God. Let us be, Lord God, like the generation that went into the promised land, not the generation that died in the wilderness, Lord. Let us be doers, Lord, and not thinkers, Lord. We got enough thinkers, Lord God. We need doers, Lord. Raise it up in this church, Lord God. People that will fight to be in position, Lord. Oh, Lord, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for your servant that brought it. Now let us live it out, Lord. Let us live it out, Lord God. Let us be united. Let us be one, Lord God. Let us move toward your goals, your plans, your purposes, Lord God, in this church, Lord God. Not independent, but in this church, Lord God. Let us do it, Lord. Let us make war, Lord, with the enemy. With every demonic stronghold, Lord God, every principality. Lord, I'm not moving, Lord God. Let's make this church where they will not move either, Lord. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Thank you.